Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. My name is Carol Ann Fernandez, and I'm the COO of Glen Eagle, filling in for Susan McGlory Michael, our CEO, who usually does these calls, because I was so excited about our guest speaker today. Our guest today is Jen Langzettel, head rowing coach at Duquesne University. Jen has coached at Duquesne for 13 seasons and was named head coach in May of 2017. When she's not out on the river or in the office, Jen focuses her energy on her two young daughters, Evelyn and Kaylee. Her 10-year-old daughter, Kaylee, was diagnosed with Rett syndrome when she was two and a half. Jen is passionate about fundraising for research aimed at finding a cure for Rett syndrome. Welcome, Jen. Hi, thank you for having me. We're very excited to have you. Um, To start off, do you mind just telling our listeners a little bit more about Rett syndrome? I know it's something that a lot of people aren't familiar with. And uh, what advice you would give to families who might have had a similar diagnosis for their child? Yeah, sure. So Rett syndrome is a genetic mutation. It's a neurological condition um, where the brain doesn't produce enough of a certain protein to allow the neurons to fire correctly. So anybody that's affected by Rett syndrome um, loses certain abilities around 18 months of age. So most children are born normal and they develop normally and then they start to regress around 18 months. Kaylee's a little bit different in that she never gained certain skills. So Kaylee's never walked on her own. She's never even stood on her own. She's only ever rolled over twice, I think, in her whole life. And she never gained a lot of vocabulary. But she used to be able to feed herself, eat normal foods, play purposefully with toys. And she could move around in one of those baby walkers. But as she got older, she started to lose certain skills. She started to get to a point where she had more trouble with uh, eating, feeding herself. Um, She started to have seizures uh, when she was three. That's common with Rett syndrome. And she had to start on all these different anti-seizure medications. And just slowly, she's, she's lost a lot of skills. It affects every person differently. So some girls walk Some do have a few words and they can talk. Some can eat normal foods and drink regular liquids still. Kaylee, unfortunately, is in a wheelchair. She is fed primarily through a tube in her stomach. She's not able to eat any solid foods, but she's really having a difficult time being able to eat any kind of pureed foods as well uh, anymore. And she's unable to drink liquids. She doesn't talk and she's unable to play purposely with her hands. She can kind of hit buttons here and there sometimes, but it's very difficult for her to get her motor skills to function properly. So Rett syndrome is something that affects primarily females. It does affect some males, but when it does, it's a little more severe. Um, And that's just because of the chromosomes and the women are able to mask the, the chromosome 
um, mutation a little bit and, and males are unable to. But primarily every one in 10,000 females is affected and it's essentially like they're trapped in their bodies. So they are able to understand everything that's said to them and many especially now with technology, many girls learn to communicate with um, assistive devices and are in mainstream education, are able to take tests with their peers and everything. And one girl actually just was valedictorian of her high school class. Um, wow. And that was all thanks to assistive technology. The problem is they can't get their bodies to respond. So they're pretty much just kind of trapped inside their body a little bit. What I would say to families that get a new diagnosis is get out there and network. That's just one of the biggest things to do, realize that you are not alone. We had never heard of it before our daughter was diagnosed with it. And we've gotten to know so many people in the Pittsburgh area that also have daughters with it. We don't get together with them very often, but we're able to communicate via social media if we have any you know, questions or, and I'm getting together, I got invited to a benefit this weekend for Rett Syndrome Research. There's going to be a lot of parents there. And it's nice just to have that network of support. I've joined a couple groups on Facebook, but there is one that is Rett Syndrome Parents. And it is just so helpful. Any questions, any concerns that you have, you can ask there. There's not judgment everybody's situation is a little bit different and everybody at some point has the same thoughts and the same questions, the same concerns. And it's okay to ask the difficult questions and to ask any question that you might have to the community because you would not be the only one that ever had that question. And I think that's such a good point in any anything in life, especially uh, dealing with something like Rett syndrome. But, you know, just networking and finding some uh, a group that's dealing with the same issues you are. Um, there's so many opportunities, as you were saying, even with technology of helping children that are dealing with Rett syndrome, but also with getting the knowledge, right, uh, and meeting other people who are in a similar situation uh, as you guys. So thank you so much for sharing so much about it. I had I had n known nothing about it until, um, you know, I was preparing for this interview and, and reading a little bit about it. But it's very interesting to to hear from a parent like yourself who, who's dealing with it firsthand. It's more common than people realize, um, but, you know, not something that somebody would know about because it's not talked about. It's not out there. Um, you know, it's not as prevalent as leukemia, childhood cancer, breast cancer, Down syndrome, right. you know, there's a, that information's all out there. And there's still a lot of these other disorders that, you know, are affecting a lot of families. And, and so people just knowing that, yeah, they're not alone is, is really important. Yeah, so important. And I guess on that note, I mean, I know you're obviously a head rowing coach as well, which is not, uh, you know, an easy task. And a, a lot of time is taken up trying to do that. So how do you go about balancing being a mom, um, you know, for your two daughters, as well as being a rowing coach and just uh, work that work family responsibility balance? Oh, I, I would honestly say I don't know if I balance it well. I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it takes um, a lot of patience at times uh, and a lot of support. Um, having friends and having a family that's very supportive. 
unfortunately, we're in Pittsburgh by ourselves, so we don't have our parents around here. We don't have any family around. Um, so it is a little more difficult at times, but everybody's, all of our great friends are always willing to help us out when they can. And our parents are willing to kind of drop everything and, and come out here and help us when we need it. If Kaylee ends up in the hospital and we need help with our younger daughter, they come out, you know, they can come out and help. Um, my mom will fly out the next day if I tell her that, that we need help with something. She's actually here right now because Kaylee is recovering from a scoliosis surgery and she's here to help and see her and um, give us a little bit of a break because it's been a little stressful. But it's really about being okay with asking for help, which I'm usually not okay with. So that's my issue. Being okay with asking for help, um, having a good support network, and then just not not letting it get to you as often as you can. Uh, just keep going and figure out what needs to happen next and, and get that done and trying not to let yourself get overwhelmed, but <laughs> knowing that sometimes you are going to be overwhelmed and it's okay to let that happen and to take some time for yourself. Um, that's something that I've learned. I need to work out. If I don't work out, I get very, very anxious and angry and sad. And so I need to be able to take that time for myself. And sometimes that means getting behind a little bit at work or at home, but it helps me be able to handle everything else. And then usually I'm able to tackle my tasks at home and at work a little bit better because I've taken that time for myself and to de-stress. That, that's great. And I think not enough women do that where they remember that they need to take care of themselves or they're not going to be able to take care of anyone else. Um, we really do appreciate when you're busy time, taking the time to do this call with us right now. Um, what are some things that you can share? I know you shared a few of how to, you know, handle the work family responsibility. What are some things you've learned just being a head coach um, over the past two years that, you know, you think apply maybe in helping, you know, with understanding Kaylee's diagnosis or just in life in general? So I've learned that being a head coach is very different from being an assistant coach. Um, being a head coach, you know, being a coach in general, especially at the Division One level, there's more to it than just coaching. There's so many outside aspects with recruiting, right. office work, and everything else. Being a head coach, that's even amped up. You know, such a small amount of my time is um, – coaching. It's actually more of my time is managing, managing my student athletes, managing my staff, um, taking care of administrative duties, you know, a, a lot of other other things outside of coaching that, that people don't realize and that I honestly didn't really realize until I got into this role. And I think something that's helped me is honestly learning a little bit more how to manage and understand and I don't want to say deal with but maybe handle the student athletes a little bit better um, you know each generation is a little bit different and you know there's definitely a lot more happening around you know mental health and self-care and there's so many stressors that are put on students nowadays so being able to, to handle that piece is really really important I think to being successful as a coach and that, I feel like that actually helps me a little bit at home in actually handling 
you know, things at home as well. And even just my six-year-old, maybe more so than my 10-year-old with her starting school <laughs> and understanding the stressors that are, that are on these kids now and, you know, how that maybe came about and, and how they've gotten to where they are based on where they started. And so, you know, trying to, to use that in some of my parenting, even with, with my six-year-old to try to prepare her for, you know, some of the stressors that she might have to deal with when she gets older. You've given so much great advice already that I almost feel silly asking you the last question. But, you know, what is one piece of advice that you would give to women who are maybe looking to get into the athletic world, either as a coach or in some capacity, um, you know, something that you think would help them? I think the biggest thing is really think about what you want to do. There are so many opportunities within athletics for females, and it's not just being in a coach, being a coach or being an assistant coach. I always thought growing up, I loved sports. I was more into sports than I was in school. I never realized that I could do anything in athletics, but when I was younger, I wanted to be involved in athletics and I wanted to be a coach. And I thought the only way that I could do that was to become a teacher so that I could teach and then coach, you know, at whatever school that I was working at. And once I moved to Pittsburgh, started coaching a high school and got the opportunity to move to Duquesne as an assistant coach, I started to realize there are so many other opportunities out there within athletics for females. And so many more doors are opening up right now for females because of the push for the fact that females haven't really been coaches. They haven't really been involved in athletics. You know, you can be a strength and conditioning coach. That, that stuff that's happening up at the, the professional level now, being on the field, being an athletic trainer for those programs, being a strength and conditioning coach, you know, being a, a sports psychologist, all those kinds of things. There's so many opportunities and women need to understand if that's their passion and that's what they want to do, they can do it. But they also have to understand that, yes, it takes a lot of time and they have to be prepared for the 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 time that it's going to take to get there, the amount of work that it's going to take to get there, the support that it's going to take to get there, and the crazy schedule they're probably going to have once they're actually in it. I think that's great advice and, and such a good reminder that, you know, if you really want to do something, there are opportunities. Um, obviously, they all take a lot of work, but you you were such an inspiration today, Jen, and we really uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing so much so much great advice. I, I know you you told me before we started that you didn't think you had much to share, but I, I would highly disagree. I think everything you talked about, from handling, taking care of yourself to you know family life balance and, and being a rowing coach, was just really amazing. So we appreciate you taking the time uh, at, at this busy time of life to to talk with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I appreciated that you guys um, invited me to be on the podcast, and I really do hope that I gave some information to, to other women that, that might be helpful. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Women's Wealth, The Middle Way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.